Hey folks, welcome back to the podcast. This is The Finch Show and I am James Finch. For those of you returning, thank you so much for coming back. For those of you who are, who are new, welcome. Glad you're along with us on this journey. My guest on the podcast today is Andrea Alejandra, and she is an absolute crazy person. And I mean that in the absolute nicest way possible. She's such an incredible person. She does a podcast called The Law of Love, and I cannot recommend enough checking it out. For me, it's, you know, I have a bun bunch of different podcasts that I like to listen to different varieties, different topics. Hers I enjoy because it really feels like a mental health break. Um, she is so loving. She is so honest. She is so raw that listening to her like just makes me relax and makes me really think about a lot of things. Um, I happened to stumble across her. I listened to several episodes and I thought she is absolutely incredible. I would love to have her on the podcast, reached out to her. She was more than happy to come on. Um, we did the podcast and it was great. I cannot tell you enough how much I enjoy talking to her. Um, but without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here is Andrea. And there we are. We're rolling live. I am here. Um, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited. It's a beautiful day outside. I've been doing my practices. So I feel great. Practices? What kind of practices? Yeah. Um, ooh, where to even begin? I have a lot of spiritual practices, but I'm also a very non-committed person. Other than my husband, like everything changes in my life. So some days I do like journaling. Other days I do shamanic journeying. Um, sometimes I do meditation. Today was all about breath work and shadow work. And so mm -hmm. it changes every day, but I try and integrate as much of my quiet time and movement as possible in the beginning of the day. So then I feel good and I'm not like chopping people's heads off, you know, <laughs> when they cut me off and something. <laughs> Now, uh, did you, um, what was it you called it shamanic journeying? Was that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Shamanic journeying that you must elaborate on. Cause I know nothing about, I've never even heard that term before. Yeah, absolutely. So have you heard of shamanism? Um, like I I'll say, I know what a shaman is generally, but outside of that, okay. no. Yeah. So it, it varies and it changes depending on what areas of the world you are talking about, like what type of shaman you're talking about. The type of shamanism that I practice is entirely sober. So um, another piece of my story is I'm a recovering alcoholic. And so I don't do any like substance that's going to mess with my ability to be coherent. And so type of shamanism that I practice all around my own energy, my own energetic field and my capacity to travel in this energetic space. So I could, I need to like, I, we need like a few hours for this, but the quick version is the, the, the basis of everything is, and so we live in this three-dimensional realm, but this three-dimensional realm is so much, um, so much smaller than what it actually is in like the spiritual and energetic realm. And so if you look at an atom, it's like some crazy number, like 99.9% .9 of the atom is actually just space and the amount of matter is so small. So that is equivalent to like the three-dimensional world. So everything actually re resides in energy and space. So what a shaman does is 
the shaman will be able to go in and fix things in the energetic realm, which then trickle down to our energetic bodies, which we can also call our auras. And in turn, that will help our physical three-dimensional body. So everything manifests in the energetic realm first, and then it can kind of come down. So for example, if you have some form of entity attachment, or you have a tear in your aura and it's leaking energy out, it's leaking this like life force, a shaman can help you go in and seal that energetic tear or can help you release those energetic attachments and that will help you know get rid of disease so if you have like a disease in your body that's tied to an energetic attachment or whatever then that would help and it doesn't usually happen like the next day but it is like a super like you're you're like oh wow like I feel different um I don't know if you've ever heard of Reiki or if you had Reiki done before I've heard of it, it's, but just like what <laughs> I know nothing about it. Yeah. So Reiki is really cool as, as well. Um, I won't go into all of like the, the depths of it because I feel like we have so much to cover and I could just spend hours talking about <laughs> this one thing. But um, essentially what Reiki is, is we're being we're being used as funnels to funnel source light, entity light, God light, whatever you want to call that higher power, bringing this pure essence into ailments or disease and that kind of regulate your body and when we talk about the energetic body a lot of it centers around the chakras so bringing those chakras back into balance will in turn affect the rest of your body and the health of your body whoa <laughs> that's a lot that's, i know i feel like really i just crazy. dropped cool. like so much on you <laughs> yeah so it's pretty like it's pretty woo-woo, it's pretty out there. And I, I think sometimes I, I sound like I can tell when people look at me and they're like, what the fuck are you? Can I cuss on this? I didn't <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, some people are like, what's like, what are you talking about? But I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's my own personal truth. It's my own life. And if I wasn't living it, then maybe I think I would, I was a little crazy too, but I've been through a lot of experiences where I can really see that quick, like effect of the difference of where I was before my energetic journey and where I was after things like that manifestations coming through extremely quickly after working through some entity attachments, some underlying shadow work, some ego work. I mean, it's all, it's all interwoven and tied together. What shadow work? That sounds interesting. Just right there. Yeah. So shadow work is probably, I would say, the reason we come to planet Earth. So I call Earth and our incarnation here on Earth um, kind of like a school. Actually, a lot of people do, not just me. Um, so it's Earth school. And we come to Earth and so many other entities and other spirits and other um, I would say souls are trying to get to this plane because on this three-dimensional plane, we can elevate so quickly. We can make quantum leaps by learning the lessons that our soul needs to learn in order to be able to move on to the next uh, version of ourselves or the highest version of ourselves or reach some form of enlightenment to move on to the next density, the next level, the next evolution, believed to be um, exception. So our shadows are 
almost kind of, kind of what they sound like. So it's the shadow part of yourself that you keep in the shadows that you like shove away because you don't want people to see them. You don't want people to know them. And a lot of the time, our magic lies in our shadows. So one of my biggest shadows that I've been working through was being quote unquote too much. And so for a long time, I would try and like dim it down because I didn't want to be too much. I didn't want to be too loud. I didn't want to be too obnoxious. And so what I found is when I would go to express myself, I would actually not show up authentically and I would hold back pieces of myself because I didn't want to be too much. So the essence of too much was part of my shadow. And through shadow work, being able to go in and what you do is you uncover your shadow, you help, you know, kind of bring closure and wholeness to it, and then you reintegrate your shadow. So now instead of being like, oh, I'm too much, I'm like, bro, maybe you're just not enough. Like, maybe you just can't handle this. So <laughs> turning it around to where I'm not like throwing shade at other people, but like, you know, standing for and who I am and how I and how I show up in the world but we all have multitudes of shadows and we come to this plane to help um, not eradicate because we don't want to get rid of them again a lot of our magic lies in there but kind of work through those and learn how to use them in our favor mm -hmm. I think um, that is that is so dead on um, I think the vast majority of people while they may not directly frame it that way are right in tune with what you're talking about because we all have like yeah. this like thing where it's like we have like who we are but then also who we feel we have to project when we go out in the world yeah and and that's like that's Absolutely. like and our like, shadow manifests in yeah and it, oh, it's no go ahead go ahead sorry <laughs> and it's you know it's really sad that um uh, a that we live in a world like that, but I think everybody's gone through or is struggling with something very, very similar to that. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, I sit here, I'm a major nerd. I've got all this like nerd stuff on the wall behind me. 10 years ago, I would have been terrified for people to see me sitting in the middle of this nerddom because I, you know, I, I Gen X, I grew up in the eighties where you got shoved in lockers for reading comic books. And it was when, right. back when nerds were not cool and you got the crap. I was like, now you're the before. cool kid. Right. Yeah. Now it's mainstream. You know, those of us who blazed the way and bled for that cause. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, eventually you just have to, you have to find a way to come to peace with you, who you are. Um, and there's like a line there because I think you, you should care what people think about you, but you also shouldn't care what people think about you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, like, I feel like you, you should want people to view you as a good person, as a positive person, but on the flip side, you shouldn't care about their judgments about you. And the, to an extent, the way you live your life or your hobbies or the things that you're into or the way you view the world. And I think so many people struggle with that, that I, that the way you explained it was like a really in-depth explanation, but I, I can't argue with it at all. That's like 100% dead on. <laughs> I do, I do want to say, I think that we should be perceived as positive, uplifting, happy people if that is who you truly, like, truly are. My husband is the sweetest man ever, but he's not like the bubbly, like, guy. And so I wouldn't want him to be like wanting people to perceive him as bubbly if that's not who he is authentically. Like, it's okay. He's the chill, mellow dude that's like, yeah, that was cool. I'm ready to move on. 
also, I want to say our shadow presents itself in several different ways. It can present ourselves as masks, which you brought up in how we perceive to be um, or how we present ourselves so that we can be perceived in a certain way. And that's a mask. So you're not showing up authentically. We can also you know, project. So I might be like, oh, that person's way too much when in reality, I'm picking at that piece of that person because it's something within myself that I haven't accepted, I haven't validated, I haven't integrated into my life, and I'm judging other people. And we see that a lot, I would say on social media, like so many people are so ready to project their own insecurities on other people. And it's like, that has nothing to do with them. That has everything to do with your, your, your stuff the stuff that you're not integrating and allowing yourself to do, feel, act, and be. And by throwing that out, I think that that's a great, like, whatever you're judging on other people, it's a great insight and a great light to be like, ooh, what part of me is still unhealed that I can't accept that on someone else? I think the other way that our shadow would present itself is... Um, maybe like triggers when we get triggered. So not only are we projecting, are we putting masks on, but then someone says something and you're like so angry about it. Not you as in you, James, I just mean in general, like people get so angry and it's like, why? Why is this causing you anger? What part of you is unhealed that is bubbling to the surface? And of course there are things that are gonna make us angry regardless, right? Like a, ped a pedophile, I'm gonna be pissed about. But like, if someone is saying like, oh, the sky is green, but that makes me angry. Well, why? Like, am I constantly needing to be right? Maybe that person's colorblind. And like to them, this guy actually is green, but why does it affect me so deeply? And I think that this is part of the reason we're not able to have candid and open discussions about things that are so important. Like we can look around and there are a million topics that need to be discussed in a very open and candid way. And we're unable to do that because we haven't worked through our own shadows and our own, our own bundle of shit. And so we're not able to move on to the, the important stuff, the good stuff, the places that we can get to if we work together, if we are able to heal ourselves in order to heal the world. Mm -hmm. Again, I think, uh, oh my Lord, it's, I, I love it because it, there are things that we act as a population and as a society that I find absolutely mind blowing. Like it, you can go on like the internet. I mean, the internet, first of all, like for good or for bad, it, it is what it is. Right. But, you know, you could simply go onto a Facebook group or something and simply type like, Star Wars sucks. And that will ruin like thousands of people's day. Like the next day they will still be Thanks, oh, months. Who was that guy? I can't believe you fucking said that. You know, it's like, yeah. I, 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 and I always feel like, um, you shouldn't let somebody disparaging something you enjoy ruin your enjoyment of it. Like who cares? Like if that yeah. person says that, then okay, fine. You know, you can, debate their intelligence level that's fine but you know at the end of the day i mean you know you, you should definitely shouldn't let it get to you i remember um i had a mentor years ago who said to me one time that there are a lot of bad apples in the world and you need to refuse the urge to take a bite and that was like a life lesson that always stuck with me because when you think about it like when you're going to meet somebody and maybe you know them maybe you don't know them you're just catching them on that day they're in a bad mood. Maybe they're just an angry person altogether. But letting that 
affect you like internally and ruining your day on top of it. Because not only does that suck, but then you run the high probability of passing that on to other people. And so the whole thing just oh, like, yeah. yeah, it just becomes this like feedback loop and just every, all of a sudden it's like branching out and everybody in the area is just becoming more and more angry throughout the day goes on. And it's like, yeah, you know, and that was, um, I don't Dude, know. Energy is contagious. Oh, for sure. For yeah, sure. It's like osmosis or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I noticed that, um, years ago, because I was at a job where I wasn't particularly happy. I had things that were, um, at the time going on in my life that were not making me happy. And I just found I'd like one day, you know what I mean? You just wake up and look in the mirror and you're like, I am one bitter person. Like I am every morning I wake up the second I wake up, I'm angry and I'm angry all day long. And then you're like, you get so angry that like you catch your coat on a doorknob and it makes you want to fight the world. You know, you're oh just God, like, yeah. you're just like beyond like comprehension. And, um, it occurred to me that every day I was going into work, everybody around me was in a bad mood and I was in a bad mood. And generally I don't like to be in bed. Nobody likes, well, some people like to be in bed, but you know, I, um, <laughs> I would argue that that's just their comfort level. Right. Like they don't know how to not be in a bad mood. Right. Yeah. Because they were like molded through life experiences that this is how they cope with the world around them for sure. Um, and I realized, and so one day I just, you know, I took a long, hard look in the mirror and I said, you know, I'm going to start switching things up. Like every day when I get up, I'm going to like, just do my best to let stuff roll off my back. And like, right before I went into work every day, I gave myself a pep talk. Cause typically I'm kind of a happy, bubbly, joking around type person, you know? Um, and I found that, and it doesn't happen overnight. Right. But over the course of like weeks and months went by, like the environment and the workplace got better overall. You know, especially like when something bad happens at work and you react to it extremely negatively, like whether they realize or not subconsciously, everybody around you just comes down, you know, but if you're like, eh, fuck it, shit happens. Let's do it. Let's take care of it. Let's go guys or gals. You know, it wasn't a guy's only place, but you know, that, uh, that, that energy was huge. And I've always kept that in mind because I, and I, again, I'm going to say it. I love the way you put that because I feel like it just encapsulates that perfectly. Yeah. So part of what I, part of what I've learned, um, so I'm not a shaman yet. I am in a demonic apprenticeship and has taken me what feels like a lifetime to get here, but I'm only a few months away from graduating. And so what I've learned, especially recently is absolutely everything has some soul, some spirit, some form of energetic vibration. And on a scientific level, Science tells us that everything is made up of atoms and atoms in order to be perceived as a solid are actually not solid. They're just vibrating really, really fast. And the faster they are, the more solid they are. And then we in our three-dimensional body can perceive them as a solid. But um, what actually is happening is everything is malleable and everything is energy and everything vibrates at a different frequency. So we vibrate at a certain frequency and then we eat a hamburger and that frequency will go down. But if we are vibrating at a certain frequency and then we eat an apple, which is actually vibrating at a higher frequency, it'll bring our frequency up, which is why it's so important to drink water, move your body, blah, 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 blah. Everything in every space has a certain frequency, even emotions, like emotions have a certain frequency. So you'll find that fear is actually the lowest vibrating frequency, whereas love is the highest vibrating frequency. And so the highest vibrating frequency will always, always, 
always take over the low vibrating frequency. It is like impossible. That's where the whole like light beats the dark, the, the good beats the bad comes in, like that law of polarity. The higher that you are vibrating, it is literally impossible for the people around you to A, either not start vibrating at a higher frequency or B, not be able to be around you. So I will walk into a space and if people are like really down, one of two things will happen. They'll start to like lift up as I'm like, hey, how you know, how's your day? Good morning. How are you doing? You you're noticing that people will start to change their demeanor or they will leave. They will walk away. <laughs> if they are at a vibration that is just way too low. And right. that's, that's perfect, right? Like we, in the shamanic realm, we say a prayer before we go in, we say anything in our space is either going to be, if it's a good entity, then it's, it can stay. If it's not an entity of the highest vibration, it is staying with the understanding that it will be al alchemized and transmuted as a higher frequency, or it is welcome to leave. And so that happens both in the, in the energetic realm, as well as in our three-dimensional plane. It's really fascinating, but it's, you know, it's so easy to spot even for yourself where you're like, yeah, something happened work, uh, something happened at work. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Like we can move on. And you on your own are raising the vibration of the entire office. Mm -hmm. That is great. And I hope, I hope it's like one of those things that I want to, um, I wish everybody would stop and take some time to think about because it is so true. Absolutely. 100% is true. And I think there are times where um, in our lives, we've all been there. Like you were saying, where your vibrations are so low, well, somebody comes in in a really good mood and you're just like, what? Yeah, I can't do this right <laughs> now. <laughs> good morning. Get away oh, yeah. from me. What's good about it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that is, um, so the question I had, is this something that, um, all this stuff was this stuff that you were exposed to as a child, or was there like a journey that got you to where you are currently? Because I feel like that's probably the most interesting yeah. part about all this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mean talking about multidimensional, like different universes and parallel timelines is not interesting? Yeah. Well, I mean, it is. I mean, like, first <laughs> of all, first kidding. of all, like before, before you go on, I always thought that because um, I always loved studying physics and I always yeah. thought it is the most mind blowing thing in the world that you as a person are like 99% air. Like, because you're made up of atoms and atoms are a tiny, tiny, tiny nucleus with electrons way out orbiting it. And you're sitting in a chair that's made up of mostly air and in a house that's made of, I, I can't remember his name, but the scientist who first discovered that was actually terrified to get out of his bed for like a week. Cause he thought for sure he was going to fall through the floor. Like he was that freaked yeah. out and just trying to like conceptualize that in any way. But Anyway, I just wanted to say. Oh that. my gosh! But um, no, I I mean, yeah, there was because clearly there was um there was a point in a time in your life, as you say, that you were um, a recovering alcoholic, where you sort of got yourself on a path that got you to where you yeah. are today. So, um, I guess the best way for me to go over this is just to start from the the beginning. So I was raised extremely Catholic. But as a young girl, I was all, <laughs> oh my gosh, the trauma. I was always um, like 
very in tune. So I could sense animals feelings and I could sense people's feelings. I could talk to things that I shouldn't be able to talk to. Like I could tell that when my dog was, um, you know, sick or something hurt, and then he would get really sick and we take him to the vet and it would confirm that, you know, yes, in fact, he swallowed a sock and he hasn't been able to poop. That's just like one, one instance, you know, or like I would be able to tell things before they were going to happen. And for my parents who are very, very, very Catholic, they were like, that is, you know, devil worship, like burning incense is devil worship. And I would be like sitting and meditating, meditating and contemplating. And they would be like devil worship, <laughs> you know, just like everything to them was so weird. And so I really pushed it down and shut it off for so long. Um, and then as I got older, it like would manifest in different ways in my life. So I would meet people and I'd be like really intuitive, deep knowing like I can't trust this person. And I think that actually I know we're all intuitive beings. We're all psychics. We're all mediums. We're all shamans. But, you know, as society is now, it's it's not acceptable. And so we shut it down and we turn it off. And it's very much like a practice thing. Like if you never practice driving a stick shift, you're never gonna get good at it. Once you do it, it's like an automatic, like you don't even have to think about driving a stick shift. Mm -hmm. So I actually, um, I'm a DACA recipient. So I was born in Mexico and I was brought to the States as a baby. So I've been here my whole life. My parents were able to legalize their citizenship. Unfortunately, by that time, I was already an adult. And so I stayed as a DACA student. And that for me was like so hurtful, so infuriating, so like just devastating to where I was. And a lot of my struggle, I wanted to fix by becoming a lawyer or a judge or like somehow taking this like immigration system into my own hands. And I really thought that that's where my mission was. I was like, this is why I was put here. This is why this happened to me. Like I meant to be an attorney. I'm gonna be an immigration attorney to change the world, blah, 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 blah. But as I was going through school, it like progressively got louder in my head that I was on the wrong path. And I graduated from uh, Washington State University with honors. I was fast-tracked to law school. I had a free ride at Washington State, so more than likely I would have gotten a free ride at law school. Like, it was just all this, this synchronicity where I was like, yeah, this is definitely where I'm supposed to be. And my last semester at Washington State University was actually right before COVID, or I didn't even get to graduate really. So like, or I didn't get to walk. I graduated, but I didn't get to walk because of COVID. Um, and this last final term, I was a lobbyist in Washington State in Olympia. And so I have pictures with like Governor Inslee and a lot of the senators and representatives, and we did some amazing work there. But of course, COVID came, came and everything we had worked for just went down the drain. And I was so depressed because for three months I was living out of a hotel. I was coming back to that hotel and still doing work while, of course, drinking an entire bottle of wine by myself every night because that's where I was in my mental state. And I was like, I had some spiritual practices that I think kept me going, but definitely not enough to where I was being self-reflective and looking in and being like, where, like, what is off? Because I could feel that I was not good, but I just kept pushing through and ignoring it because of the, the society standards of what, that, what I should be doing or what was expected of me. I was like miserable at the time. I felt unhealthy. 
I was probably 50 pounds heavier than I am now. And I'm 4'11". So it was like very noticeable that I was not looking good and I was not feeling good. Um, and I was like, but I, but I should be happy. Like I'm married to an amazing man. We had just purchased our first home. I was about to graduate with honors. I was, you know, doing really well on all of my LSAT preps. Like I was just doing really good and I was fucking miserable. I hated my life. And I started to like, feel like I was drowning in a glass of water. I actually had a panic attack so bad that I needed to get, um, I needed to put, be put in a hospital because they were like worried for me. Like the whole entire left side of my body went numb. And so that was kind of what should have been my rock bottom, but it wasn't because mama didn't raise no bitch. And so when I graduated, <laughs> I got a job in downtown Portland as a paralegal. And I was like, this is great. Like I felt like such a boss bitch. I was walking through those halls with my heels. I was looking good. I was feeling what I thought was good at the time. It was like the superficial good, the good that goes away after the excitement is gone. It drizzles out and you're like, yeah, no, I actually don't like this at all. Like I feel miserable. Well, your girl got fired. So they let me go because again, COVID, I had been the last one hired. I had like no experience as a recent graduate. And that was my rock bottom because I had lost this job that I thought was giving me my security and my identity. And I was so mad, not because I lost the job as much as because it took me losing the job for me to, to finally put myself first, for me to finally be like, what was I doing wrong? Like, where did I steer away from my truth to live in other people's shoes or live for other people's expectations? And then I took a deep dive. So I went from hardly spiritual at all to extremely spiritual. I will say what got me through my undergrad completely debt-free um, other than getting the full ride was the fact that I was a massage therapist. And so I would do massage therapy on the side, only work a few days a week and then be able to go to school. And so obviously once I got let go, I had to deep dive into massage therapy again. And that was like a, like a reigniting of a flame inside of me that was like, oh, I love doing energy work on people. I love talking to people about what aspects of their shadows are holding them back from manifesting the life that they deserve and desire. And I'm like, I'm not a manifestation coach. Like I just love practicing manifestation. And so I'm constantly telling people like, hey, this is what I'm noticing in your shadow, take it or leave it. Um, and so that was really the transition, but I would say I started to integrate a lot of the stuff that I had been learning and that integration piece was pivotal for me to actually reach a level of peace, happiness, and I don't want to say enlightenment because that sounds egotistical, but like of, of understanding where I could keep going and keep learning and keep growing in this state of I don't even want to say, I don't know, I guess bliss, like in a state of like content and being happy with where I am and just letting life unfold in front of me, as opposed to like constantly forcing and pushing and trying to be somewhere where I was like, I'm just not there yet. Like, I'm just not where I should be. I'm not sure if that answers your question. That was like yeah, a really roundabout yeah. way. No, it definitely does. And, it, and it's fascinating because um, I feel like that, unfortunately, far too many people do that where we feel like the expectations we have for ourselves, we oftentimes don't realize until later that those weren't our expectations to begin with. 
It was just what we thought we were supposed yeah. to be doing. And I went through the same thing. I went to, you know, I, I went to college and I was going to college at Northern Illinois University. And at the time I was a history major. Um, and I, I still to this day love history. It, it took me years later to realize that the reason why I love history and the reason why I love, you know, comics and movies and the reasons why I love talking to people, at the end of the day, it's all connected. It's just because I love stories. I love people's yeah. stories, you know, whether it's fiction or not. Um, and I was going to school and I was going to be a history teacher and my, my father was a history teacher. And I'm not saying that he like put these expectations on me or anything. He's a phenomenal man. Um, but I just felt like with my life, because I loved history and I needed to get on with my life, I needed to go to college and do something. And then it was like one day at college, I just kind of looked at myself and be like, am I even going to be happy as a history teacher? Like, is that something that's going to fulfill me? Am I going to feel good about that? I mean, not saying that it's not a noble profession. It most definitely is, you know, anybody who's an educator. Um, yeah. And then you come to that point, right. Where you kind of have to have that, that cold look in the mirror and be like, is this really what you want to do? Is this, um, yeah. And then you start peeling that back and realize that a lot of times you were just, and it's so unfortunate because I see people do this all the time. They're late teens and they're early to mid twenties where they're just reacting to what society or family pressure says they should be doing versus what it is they actually want to be doing. Cause they can be two very different things. Yeah. I will say, Oh no, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I have a lot of faith in this new generation now, the generation, this wave of people who are, it's like they're born awoke and like enlightened. And I hate the word woke, but like they are so fierce and they are so not what anything, you know, anything in the past has, has been. And so um, on the spiritual end, there's this thing about the, the souls that have reincarnated now are really here to help raise and lift the vibration as well as help people awaken and find their true self and their true meaning. But also just there's so much, there's so much hope for our future in the fact that people, I see kids all the time, even my younger siblings, where they're like, I don't care if that's what you want me to do, mom. Like, that's not what makes me happy. Like, I don't want to do that. And you know, that for so long, people were so scared that if our kids didn't do exactly what we were doing or continue this path or stick, you know, to a doctor, an architect or a lawyer, then the world is going to fall apart and no one's going to do, you know, these things that need to get done. Where I think what we've seen, especially during COVID, is when people are in their element, when they're doing the stuff that they desire to do, their desire are wanting them back and so we've seen an influx of small businesses we've seen an influx of podcast hosts we've seen an influx of all of these different services that are being provided and it's actually making it more successful it's actually making it to where people are enjoying you know going to work like you said like I don't want to have to wake up and be like I don't want to go to work today or like I'm already angry because I have to go to work today like you know if we're living for just two days off then that's not really living it's surviving right yeah the uh, the difference between and I, I this is one of my favorite things the difference between working to live and living to work, you know it's yeah. two completely different things and I love the way you put that because that was actually that is exactly where I was going to go and that <clears throat> excuse me we're very lucky um, to sort of live in the time we do I mean you go back a couple hundred years and you would have a farm that was worked by generation after generation going back sometimes hundreds of years. 
in Europe. And the second you were born, you weren't leaving that land. Like there was no, especially, you know, unless you were, you know, even then, if you were a son of a Lord or something like that, your life might be better. But at the end of the day, from the second you were born, it was already determined what you were doing for your living. Um, And to be in this point now where there's so much more movement, it is so great. And I, I sort of feel like, um, there, there has been a significant change. My generation Gen X was like the one that first began to break through the barrier, I think, because we grew up in a world. Yeah. It, it you know, it's sort of like, um, cause Gen X, we hit this point when we were born in the late seventies, early eighties, where our parents, we were like the first generation that due to society and due to changes in media and everything out there, we were the first generation that was exposed to a lot of different things as very young children and unfortunately our parents a lot of the times attempted to raise us the way they were raised which you know a lot of them were raised in the 50s um uh, and so we we ended up with this unique perspective where our parents didn't really like us our friends parents didn't like us our teachers didn't like us nobody liked us so we just learned to not care um, yeah. but it, and it's been, it's been phenomenal. And I am like, so inspired watching the generations come after come up and how much more open and how much more free and like what that means long-term for society, because I, I think it's incredibly phenomenal. I, I remember I was so, I had a ton of, um, I don't know what you would call it when I was in like elementary school, I had a ton of, um, not necessarily behavioral issues because I wasn't a bad kid. I had a lot of like learning disabilities, like it was ADD and all this kind of stuff. And the way the education system handled that back then was they just wrapped you on the knuckles with a ruler and said, pay attention. And then when you didn't pay attention, they would just be like, I don't know what to do with this kid. Um, I'm now looking at my youngest son who is six years old and is in kindergarten and has the exact same issues. And the way the school district handles it now is like, light years ahead of where it was i was like so relieved to find out that they're all just about like well he'll come along we'll give him his space he will you know he will be able to play he will be able to color and you know we'll work with him and stuff here and there but we know if we overload him it's going to become too much and i'm like oh my where were you people when i was a kid (laughs) i was a kid it was just you're a piece of shit you're a terrible child you're never gonna amount to anything um so that and i yeah a hundred percent like the way the younger generations are coming up right now. It is so, so cool to see because I just, I love the, uh, the energy. I love the, you know, sometimes I hate using the word woke because it's become almost cliche. Yeah. But, no, but, I hate it too. Right. But I know exactly what you mean. More aware. That would be the way to put it. Yeah. Like more aware of the world around them and their movements within space and how one thing impacts another, rather than just you're born and you just accept that things are the way you are and just go to school and then get a job and work until your bones grind to dust and then you retire and die. And that was just yeah. your life, you know? Um, so yeah, definitely. The, um, uh, what, um, was there, cause you were, you said you were doing the, um, I'm sorry, the massage therapy. And then from there, you, you know, you said it kind of reignited something. Was there, um, a path of research that you went on in terms of dealing with like the shamanism stuff? Was there a, a, do you remember like a point of exposure to that kind of stuff or was it something that you had always kind of been interested in and then decided to go deeper into? Yeah. So this is actually perfect because I wanted to bring up a point about your kid versus how you grew up. And 
Um, it ties perfectly to this. I think that where my research really started is trying to find ways to heal myself because I could tell that my trauma was so just like an overshadow of my entire life. Like I did not see my life without the filters of what had happened or my trauma. And it was constantly in my face. And it got to the point where I didn't feel I could have a fulfilling open free and live it the way that I wanted to live it until I had been able to find ways to heal myself. And so this all started for me when I was around the age of 15. So I started looking into a lot of self-help and personal development, and that's kind of where it all started. Now, since that time until now, I have not stopped reading and researching and learning about spirituality, personal development, the law of one. So I don't know if you've heard of raw and the law of one, but they are, um, they are a, a few individuals who channeled a six dimensional being and it's written in a question, question and answer format. And a lot of these answers resonate so deeply for me as truth and as um kind of like a like re-remembering that that's kind of where i'm at right now but i think that i will probably never stop learning i will never stop evolving and i will never stop researching but that's my own personal way and i think that the the beautiful thing that we're seeing now is the dream would be to raise our kids in a way where we don't have to constantly feel like there's a need to heal from whatever trauma they've had in the past. Like now it's like, I feel like specifically millennials, I think that we're very much about, um, and even Gen Xers, like Gen X and millennials are all about like, how can we heal from this trauma so that we can go and move on with our life and like live the best version of ourselves. So if we could raise children where they don't have to heal from so much shit and they're empowered and they are worthy from the very beginning, which of course they are, but like if we can get them to believe that at a young age and show them, hey, you are a master manifester, you are a co-creator of your life, you can literally change the world here are the tools instead of constantly telling them you know what what you are hearing of like you're worthless you're a piece of shit you're not going to amount to anything then we could get these kids to make amazing changes now as they're growing up as they're learning and hopefully the generations to come will evolve into a healthier less traumatized version of the generations we're seeing now um I personally spend a lot of money, time, and effort investing in my practices, investing in my growth. Have you heard of human design? No. Okay, so human design is, um, and I'm not like first in this, this is something that I want to learn more about. Human design is essentially a channeled Myers-Briggs on like a spiritual level. So it gives you like your personality type, the personality that you show up in as like in this world, and then the personality that you are just when you're born. So do you have multiple kids? Yeah, I have three. Okay, so when they're born, there are certain personalities that you're like, there's no way they picked this up from me or my spouse or my grandparents. Like they just kind of have it ingrained in them. So that personality, before we have been introduced to trauma or society standards, that's what our human design would reflect. So it shows us both. And each person is individual down to the very 
end. Like every single molecule in our body works differently and it works the same, but it works differently. Like on an energetic level, you and your imprint are so unique that no one in this entire universe and the entire galaxy can do things the way that you are meant to do things. No one can have the Finch show and get across to people the way that you are meant to do it. And my personal human design actually states that I am the learner and I am the teacher. So for me, I'm all about, I want to get as much information in like a selfish way. Like I want to know everything about everything. And then I also have this aspect of me where I'm like, I just love to share. Like I love having discussions about aliens and different parallel universes and the different densities and spirits and, you know, the shamanic realms. I've kind of always been interested, but it's never like something where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to sit down and have like a master's degree in metaphysics, which would be cool now that I think about it. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, How do you, because one of the subjects that I I always find fascinating is uh, meditation. Have you been doing meditation for a long time? Yes and no. I, as you can see, am very high energy. (laughs) And so for me to sit down and like be in just peace has taken me a long time to get here. Now I can, now I can sit down for an hour, two hours. If I'm going through a lot, sometimes I just need three hours a day of like introspective work. Like I wake up at 6am and my first hour is devoted to just quiet. Um, But here's the caveat. Meditation isn't necessarily sitting in silence and not thinking about anything. Meditation is presence. Meditation is being embodied, like feeling what it feels like to have this physical form, to sit in this chair, to see the sunlight. Like meditation is really just being in the present moment and accepting the thoughts that come to you and letting them float away, knowing that you aren't your thoughts, you aren't your body, you aren't your your mind, you aren't other people's projections. You are, if you strip everything away, pure essence, pure soul, and pure energy. And so understanding that you can meditate anywhere. Like I'm considering this a meditation because I'm sitting here and I'm being so present with the conversation that we're having, the way that my back is sitting. And I'm like, oh, I should grab a pillow for that. Like being present in this very moment, that would technically be considered a meditation. One of my favorite meditations is washing dishes. I love being able to see the dirty dish and the clean dish and acknowledging the water and thanking the water for being, you know, present and doing so much for us and just being like, wow, we had a delicious meal. Like having that moment of presence to me is so important. And you could do it anywhere, right? Like when you're driving, I know a lot of us tend to like zone off and you're like whoa how did I get to my my job when I like don't even remember you know the stoplights or the signs or stuff if you make an effort to be more present to not listen to music to not listen to a podcast be present in your car and hear the sounds and watch the road and feel your own breath like listen to the way that your breath moves through your body how deep is it is it pretty shallow are you feeling anxious like that of itself could be a meditation. It doesn't always necessarily have to be incense and a meditation mat and complete silence and bliss. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, the funny thing I had um, uh, a while back, I had a 
guest on by the name of Courtney Ackerman, who's a, amazing. She's a psychologist. Um, and she wrote a book called Midnight Meditations, which is primarily about like meditating, you know, and it was something I was interested. I had always heard about meditation, but never really took the time to um, do any research into it or really get in depth with it. And the interesting thing is that we found that throughout the course of us talking and us doing the episode is that I had unknowingly stumbled into meditation. And, and the, <laughs> the, the whole way that it happened was that I, I have been for a number of years now. Um, I, I, I am a bow hunter and I, I love it when we get to fall and we get into late October, early November, and you get up into a tree stand, you know, about a half hour or so before the sun comes up and, you know, probably half the time you end up sitting there all day long until the sun goes down and you don't see anything. It just happens. You know, that's just the, you know, the, the deer move in ways that are mysterious to everyone, but the deer, they're the only ones who know why it is they do what they do and where they go, where they go. Um, and just like you, I'm a very high energy person. Like I'm a big sports fan but I have a hard time sitting in my chair and watching a game beginning to end. I have to get up and move. I have to do something. I have to take breaks from it here and there. Otherwise I just, you know, I get jittery. Um, so being in the situation of just like sitting in a chair up 15 feet high in a tree and just sitting there, no TV, no radio, no, you know, I mean, obviously I have my cell phone on me, but the thing about having the cell phone on you is it drives you nuts. Cause every five minutes you're checking the time. What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? Um, and so inevitably you end up just, you know, I found that the best way to deal with it was just in a way to sort of like just mentally let go of the control that I found out later that you think you have, but you really don't anyway. Yeah. You know? Surrender. And, and it, it is, it isn't, it's the craziest thing in the world. And I always tell people like, man, if you're not a hunter and the thought of killing an animal hurts you inside, I understand that completely. But go do it sometime, even if you don't take a weapon with you, because there is something about going into the woods before the sun comes up, getting into a spot and literally staying there for the entire sun cycle, because it gets to this point, you become so attuned to the sounds around you, every leaf that crunches, every breeze that blows a twig, every animal that makes a sound. And it's weird the way this is going to sound really weird, but it's so true. The, the way the forest begins to like uh, accept you as part of itself, like to the point where like birds will come and land a foot away from your head and just look at you and then fly away. Yeah. Um, it's not crazy because I mean, first of all, you're talking to me, <laughs> but secondly, um, the way that so again, going back to the energy, when you immerse yourself in the energy of nature your body will start to flow because you don't want to be the only thing that stands out and so your temperature will start to regulate your heart system will start to regulate not to mention all the negative ions that you're taking in from the trees like literally the trees you know drop the negative ions and you take it in and you start to feel different but it's like absolutely like you are definitely meditating by being there in and I hesitate on even calling it meditation I just call it more presence so like being in presence and feeling what it feels like to sit there and I think time like time is such a freaking illusion time is literally just a societal construct and I say this all the all the time but um to sit there and not rush to not like knowing that you have a full day to do 
nothing that what feels like nothing when in reality you are doing so much all of your systems all of your like your nervous system is restarting your whole body is rebooting everything in you is in that theta state where you're like okay I have a second to catch up and not feel like I'm constantly running from a cyber tooth tiger which is kind of what this 21st century feels like, especially with all the world events. It's like this, this one fear thing, this another fear thing, like it's one thing after another. And we don't ever have that time in the presence. I don't want to say never, but most of the time people won't take their time and have the presence to sit down and say, what does this actually mean to me? How can I tell my body that I'm okay? How can I regulate my nervous system? And being out in nature is a great way to biohack into that like Mm -hmm. really just step in 30 minutes in and you're like oh yeah that's right like nature is never worried about where it's going to get its next meal nature isn't worried if the sun's going to come out the next day if you know things like that like it it flows it's easy and it always turns out okay like when we leave nature will take over always consistently Mm. yeah it is um it is it is bizarre. I remember first um, experiencing that. And then it felt like when it was over, you know, and like the sun had started to go down and I, you know, climbed down from the tree, walked back, got in my vehicle. And then all of a sudden it was like the world was too loud. Oh, like yeah. The radio was too loud. The TV was too loud. People talking was too loud because it's like you completely like change the temperature of your brain, if that makes any kind of sense, and like dialed it way down to almost like it's primitive state. And anybody who's listening right now thinks I've gone off the tracks. Just stay with me here. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it ends up with these things that you can't stop thinking about. Like, I remember one time I was um, I was actually turkey hunting. And so rather than being up in a tree, I was like on a stool, leaned back up against a tree and was there all morning long. And hadn't, I don't know, I like hadn't moved for so long. And eventually at one point in time, a rabbit came hopping along the forest floor, literally stopped between my feet and looked up at me. And I remember just staring back at it and it just kind of like, okay. And then went on its way. You know what I mean? Where it's like, normally like at my house in the city, if I walk out in the backyard and there's a rabbit there, the second it hears the door open, it's gone. Like it's threat. I'm out of here. Uh. Not doing this. Um, but when you've sat there for so long, it just, it, it take it completely takes on a completely different energy of its own. It's insane. Absolutely. I want to go back um, when you said that things were too loud. So I don't remember where I read this, but the music hertz have recently changed. So it used to be like even in the in the Catholic Church, the music used to be very soft and very mellow because it would vibrate at the frequency of enlightenment. It would vibrate at the frequency of love. It would vibrate at a frequency of growth. And now all of the music that we're taking, not all of it, but a lot of the music that we're taking in, especially the main media music, is at a hertz level that literally has effects on your body. And so you start to get really anxious and really angry and like you're in a rush and you don't know why but you gotta go 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 well it's what we're consuming it's not just food that we're taking in our body is literally absorbing all of this energy from the people that we talk to from the interactions that we have the music that we listen to the tv shows that we're watching fucking squid games oh my gosh like we are normalizing it just ext- like the hunger games you know like which i watched great show 
or great movie series, whatever. Um, but it's like, I, I could not sit down and watch the whole thing. Like I was overwhelmed by the death and the constant pursuit. I refuse to watch Squid Games because I'm like, my nervous system is not at that level. And I don't want it to ever be at that level. Um, people who live in places of war, like they have become accustomed to constantly being out. So they live in a state of fight or flight and their system is simulated. Well, when we're not in a state of war and war comes up, our system instantly jumps into fight or fight, fight or flight. And so it just goes to show like what you're constantly consuming, what you're surrounding yourself by will have a physical effect on your body and will quite literally, you know, kind of dictate how you feel throughout the day, what you're doing, how you treat other people, whether or not you even want to meditate. Like sometimes you are too agitated yeah. to do anything about it. Like you mm -hmm. don't have the capacity to sit down and say, I need to call a friend because I'm feeling so anxious that I could jump off a bridge. And right. that was honestly where I was for a long time. I was like, I am so stressed. It physically hurts my body that I don't even want to reach out to anyone. Like I don't want anything to do with anything right now because I just want to feel like shit. Like just let me sit here and feel horrible. Yes. <laughs> I, I think you're so right. And it, it's interesting the way those things hit us. Um, because there is there is some music out there that um and any multimedia really, movies, TV shows that can have like a profound impact on your life. And so much of that, I, I think it's sort of like the nature nurture stuff we pick up as children, like, or even, even like, you know, adolescents, I should say, not even necessarily children. Um, like to this day, I'm old enough that I was legally an adult when nine 11 happened to this day. I cannot watch any movies about nine 11, any documentaries, because I, still in my brain remember it so vividly that that's just shit I don't want brought back up. Like it was, you know, um, on the flip side of it, like I, and I'm old enough, I've got gray hair here. Um, I grew up listening to like the eighties, nineties, heavy metal, like Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, that kind of stuff. And still to this day, as I'm now in my early forties, that music for it being as loud and as fast and as heavy as it is, is insanely cathartic. Like, cause you just get all that frustration and crap out of you. Like I'll be driving to work and I'll like, I'll put master puppets in and just blare it. And you're just, Aah! and then when you shut off and get out of the car, you're like, I felt good. Okay. What are we doing today, folks? Let's do it. You know, <laughs> have you but, heard of sacred rage? Uh, no, but I, now I want to. Yeah. So sacred rage is my favorite because when we come and incarnate on this three-dimensional realm, part of our soul contract is we're going to experience this range of emotions. So being in a state of bliss doesn't necessarily mean that you don't get emotions around anger and fear and frustration. It's how you cope with these and how you deal with them that helps you reach enlightenment. And so sacred, sacred rage is beautiful because when we have all of these emotions, they're stored in our body. So muscle memory will hold not only the the muscle movements but also the energy and the energetic charge of our emotions so when we're angry and we hold it in and we hold it in and we hold it in that is like a direct correlation and a direct like a quick speedway to getting disease disease is dis ease in our body. So sacred rage is a way to release this energetic charge that we're holding on to in a very 
I don't want to say politically correct way, but like in a way where we're not harming other people, where we're not harming ourselves and we still get this release. So what I love to do is I will punch the crap out of my pillows and I will just like let myself scream and pout and cry. And if I need to, I mean, I look like a crazy woman, but I will be rolling around and just like pounding things if something happens that I need to release this. But the beauty of that is after all of this explosion, I get to sit down and really feel through everything and then it's gone. So when I, one of the things I've learned actually a lot is whatever we resist will persist. And so when we're resisting feeling sad, we will continuously feel sad until we let ourselves feel the emotion of feeling sad. So instead of trying to fight it off or trying to distract ourselves by drinking or smoking or watching TV or scrolling through social media, try and sit with that feeling. So sit with sadness. I can guarantee you, you will not be able to feel that sensation for more than like 15 minutes. Like you can't process that emotion and not have it essentially disintegrate and go away. Of course, you know, if someone in your family dies or whatever, like it's going to keep coming up. But in that moment to make it livable, actually addressing the emotions instead of just storing them away or pushing them down will make them poof, like disappear and you're lighter and you feel better. So sacred rage is beautiful. And I think that what you're getting from listening to that music is that release of like that angry or frustration energy. And it's not always like, oh, you can't listen to heavy, heavy metal. Like, it's not like you can't listen to that. It's, are you listening to it to release and move your body and like shake off this energy? Or are you doing it as like a, um, I'm taking this in and I'm absorbing it and it's becoming part of my identity, which I think is what we're doing with so much that society has thrown at us currently. It's, I am taking in parts of this character and I am making it part of my identity. And now it's like, it's normal to do X, Y, and Z. It's normal to act in this way. It's normal to behave like the girls in Euphoria, which I haven't really seen, but from what I've heard, I'm like, I would not, like, I would be terrified to have a daughter and have someone be acting that way. Like that is just terrifying, but that's now what we're normalizing. And when mass media is putting out things like this, it's creating a wave of energy, a wave of a vibration that is collective. And so, for example, what's going on with the war, right? Like, or the stuff in Ukraine. So they put out this, they blast this out and now everyone is fearful. Everyone is vibrating at a lower frequency and the collective energy will start to reflect in things that are happening in this three-dimensional realm. As the same thing, when everyone is putting out something that's joyful and heartfelt and like, oh, restoring faith in humanity, the entire vibration will lift. And what's fascinating about this is every single person, it seems like, you know, oh, one vote doesn't matter, but it's when it comes to energy, absolutely. One vote matters. Every single person by regulating your own energy will help regulate the energy of the collective. So that was like a long tangent. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for coming along. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I absolutely love it. Um, you know, I, I firmly believe that one of the worst things you can do with any kind of negative emotion that you have is attempt to bottle it up, you know, 
And sometimes that's hard. And I still, to this day, I don't know if that's a natural occurrence or it's a societal occurrence because for hundreds of years, people were just taught you bury that shit down deep and you don't bring it up. And, um, and I've come to find that, yeah, if, if there's ever a, a negative emotion that the more you, it's like trying to wrestle a chimpanzee, man. It's like, like the more you try and wrestle and get it into its pen, the more it's going to continue to fight you. Whereas if you just take a step back and just like, let it wash over you and then it'll do its thing. And then it'll kind of begin to dissipate. I mean, obviously there, when we're talking about like major shit, like that's different, yeah. like your mother dies or something like, obviously that's going to just like you said, affect you on a, on a much longer scale. Um, but even but then, also like, like said, letting ourselves feel those feelings, like there is no need to hide the emotion of fear, the emotion of sadness, the emotion of anger, because the reality is we are all experiencing these emotions and we are all and should all have and give the capacity to express. Like I'm giving myself permission to sit here and be angry, but I'm also allowing and giving you permission and giving you space. And that might look like, I'm not like, oh, you have my permission, but I'm like, I'm not going to judge you when you have these moments where you need to break down like that is okay we are here to experience the entire lineup of emotions and we will in one capacity or another and that's it's really going to be helpful for us to experience our own and then allow the other person to experience their own I think a lot of shame comes around in like showing emotion and like having it be a sign of weakness dude we're all we're all the same, like we're all the same cell, the same unit, the same entity in different forms. And I know this kind of contradicts what I said earlier about all of us being different, but in our core, in our essence, in our soul, the universe has fragmented in so many different particles in order to experience itself and each and one of every single one of us are one of those particles and we're all going to experience one sensation or another whether it be in this parallel universe in this lifetime in this in this moment or in another or maybe you're experiencing through your children maybe you're experiencing through empathy of someone else at the end of the day we're all on the same path we're all looking for that same fulfillment wholeness purpose love that we are, are already innately deserving and we're already born with, but we have to almost like remember, like we come to find ways to remind ourselves and help remind other people so that we can all walk each other back home to this place of wholeness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love the way you put that. Cause I feel like, um, we, we spend a lot of time, especially now in society arguing, um, a Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, you know, Northerner, Southerner, European, um, like we're all just, we're all just people. And I know that sounds like an yeah. incredibly simplistic way to put it, but I really wish more people would take that into account that at the end of the day, everybody at their base level wants the same thing, right? They want to feel loved. Yeah. They want to feel safe. They want to have a full belly and they want to experience endorphins and dopamine like that's what we all yeah. want um and have community yeah yeah and feel like we're surrounded by people who actually give a shit about us and and yeah it, yeah it, that's why this stuff in like ukraine just absolutely breaks my heart because it, it just yeah. feels so pointless 
Oh, absolutely. It feels like a whole lot of people are dying and for what? Like, you know, and I, I, yeah. And I, you know, I remember I had a historian in college um, who, when we were talking about um, the war in the Pacific between the U.S. and Japan in World War II, is it sort of like, you know, you can get into like, oh, this ship went here and these soldiers went here and you know, all that technical stuff. But if you really back it up and take a look at it and you look at like, let's say it's the day before the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. Now, had the Japanese won that war, would the average Japanese person have a life that much different than what they do now? So then what was the point? Mm-hmm. It was the same thing with yeah. Germany. Like, let's say Nazi Germany had won World War II. Would the life of the average German citizen be that much different today? No, probably not. So, you know, I, it, it's frustrating. And I, and I recognize the fact that un- unfortunately it is in conflict is a part of the human condition it's just it's you know for some weird reason it's still like in that like reptilian part of our brain the need to fight and destroy and you know we coach it up in words like defend and sovereignty and all these kind of things but you know at the end of the day it's like you know especially when you go through history and it's one of the things that um, I, I hear a lot of I hear people say that um, everything happens for a reason and yeah. while, I, while I love the sentiment behind that, I, I really do, because it's making the, you know, it kind of gives the emotion of making lemons out of lemonade. You know, when something bad happens, you find a way to turn it positive. Um, but empirically speaking, it's just not true. I mean, when you look at history, you give the millions of people who are just caught in the gears of history, who were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, purely because they lost the birth lottery. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you're just like, I would like to think that by 2022, we'd be better at this. That, you know, we yeah, would find so, ways to work around these kind of things. I actually like to think that everything, in fact, is for good. Even, and, and again, I'm going to sound bonkers, but I would like to bring the perspective of the lessons that we're here to learn. And I know it's hard to, you know, like, oh, Nazi Germany and all this happened. Like, where was the lesson in that? And well, the lesson maybe wasn't meant to be learned in that lifetime. Maybe it's a lesson for the rest of us, which there I'm like, that is frustrating because we we learned that lesson or we thought we did. And here we are again. But maybe the lesson wasn't for the people in that lifetime. And when we have when we come to this earth, we have certain missions, certain things that we're here to accomplish. And it is my belief that even the victims of the worst and signed up for this end of the day part of their soul needed whatever was going to happen to them in order to learn a lesson in order to be able to evolve into the next evolution of their soul whether that's heaven or whether that's reincarnation or, or whatever it can be this is something that needed to happen to them and I really do believe that it's there's no random acts everything has to happen in a certain way for the puzzle pieces to fix fit together and even though we are co-creators of our life what we do affects everyone and everything else. So in, again, the shamanic realm, every single theme, every single thing is energetically connected to everything else. So us being on this phone call is going to completely change the trajectory of our life than if we had not gone on this phone call. And it seems small and it seems like it's not that big of a deal, but at the end of the day, there's always something good that's going to come out of everything that's negative. So COVID COVID was a huge one. So many people died necessarily because we weren't prepared, but like so many people died. There are so many lessons that we have learned that I don't think that we would have been able to learn or timeline. So with COVID, we were able to quantum leap with, you know, the timeline of what where we were going from 
maybe two years, what would have been 20 years or 200 years or whatever it is. So I like to personally believe that everything happens for a reason and we are, we're here to learn the lessons that we signed up to learn. And when we're ready, we will move on. And maybe the lessons aren't even for us, right? Like, I don't know if Martin Luther King Jr. would have seen the effect that he had on people had he not passed away, had it not been a tragic a tragic, tragic death, but the impact continues and goes because of this one monumental instance and aspect of his of his life and his death. Mm -hmm. For sure, I can. I I'm can... also very metaphysical, so <laughs> that is all right. I I I, I love all that. Um, absolutely. The um, so we are getting to the point. We're up against the clock here. Um, I do want to say to everybody that. The Law of Love podcast, I absolutely well, love. <laughs> I love the Law of Love. It's great. No, I, I love, uh, and I think I my initial message to you said this. I'm just, I, I, I really enjoy how positive it is. It is such a, just a positive feeling. It's just such an uplift period, just listening to it. Um, and I love how just like raw and unabashed it is because it's just, because you, you don't see that as much inside everything. There's got to be some sort of like guarded or um, particulars or qualifications, but it's just, it's just, it's bared out there. So everybody who's out there, I know like probably every day people come to you with like 10 different podcasts you have to listen to, but me personally, law love podcast. That's the one I'm recommending. Go listen to it. It is absolutely phenomenal. Um, Andrew, do you have anything you want to say Thank on you, the, way by the way? Oh yeah. No, I, um, I'm so, so thankful. I am appreciative of every single person who's listening. I know if you've made it this far, then you are meant to hear what you heard today. And I hope that you can take a little piece of it and take it and integrate it into your life, whether it be now or later. And yeah, so you guys can find me at the law of love podcast, anywhere you guys listen to podcasts, the law of love dot podcast, I think is my Instagram handle. I'm not too Instagram savvy, but I've got someone to help me with that. So we'll, we'll work on it. Um, <laughs> And yeah, if you guys have more questions or, you know, anything that I said kind of sparked in you and you want to know more about it, I'm always open to talking to people. I love getting to know people and engaging in, in deep, real conversations. And yeah, I, I do try and be as candid as I possibly can be. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, but I find that that's where people resonate and feel the most is that connection where I'm like, this is who I am. <laughs> Well, fantastic. I want to, um, I personally want to thank you for taking the time to uh, come on the podcast today. And uh, I honestly, you know, I, I really hope that uh, we can do this again in the future too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we're going to get out of here. Um, I want to say thanks everybody for listening. Um, Andrea, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll talk to you again. Thank you. You too. <laughs> All right. So that was the podcast with Andrea. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it. Um, again, Law of Love podcast, and you can follow her on Instagram. And then also on Facebook, there's a Law of Love community. It's a great community to join. They're fantastic people there. That's all I have for this time. Before I go, I want to say thank you to all of you. I love all of you, and I hope you take care of each other, and we will talk to you next time.